Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Lavender Gooms, unavailable to join us this week. The man had to fly to fucking England. And he just got back, and he thought he was going to make it. And he's like, man, I'm not going to make it. The jet lag is killing me. And I said, no problem. We got you here. So um, in Mike's stead... We might want to point out that tomorrow, or when you're listening to this, yeah, there we go. It's Valentine's, this, it's Valentine's that's, Day. That's true. That's all that matters is you, the audience, and the things you're experiencing right now, yeah. not us. While we're Valentine's it Day. Um, there you go. Also, in 1929, February right. 14th was the Saint Valentine's Day massacre, okay, where yeah, seven people. Got murdered by allegedly got murdered. Well, they got murdered, but allegedly by uh, Al Capone's gr- crew in Chicago. Mm. So, I mean, by today's standards, seven people doesn't seem that. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> also, know, we, uh, also in 1999, uh, WWE put on a pay per view, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where sure. old man Vince McMahon fell off the cage and hit the edge of the table, and everybody went, "Oh no!" He was okay. Um, no, he's he's cashing out now. So yeah, it all worked out. I, 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 my, my fun facts aren't as fun as Mike's, but um, he'll be back next week, probably to tell you guys about President's Day. Um, yes. Mark, I was telling <laughs> you for weeks now how excited I was for uh, Alex Volkanovsky versus Islam Mahachev. Uh, you know, you were excited also. And let me tell you, man, when I'm excited for a fight and it lives up entirely, feels pretty fucking good. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the main event mm-hmm. this past Saturday night? Yeah, no, it was it was important. There was a lot, you know, riding on it. Not not just having Alex go up a weight class to become a double champion. His pound for pound status was, you know, very much in contention and was discussed a lot. And stylistically, it was a very interesting matchup where you know you had two competitors that overall were you know pretty well rounded and strong, but they had their their abilities where they they're kind of you know were better than their peers, and those were opposite of each other. So it was it was intriguing to see how they were going to match up and. Obviously, the the fight itself lived up to those expectations. the The fighters, I think, exceeded my expectations of you know where they would be, you know, strong in the fight, where they potentially would be weak. And I think the biggest surprise is you know neither of them, the weaknesses we thought they would potentially have against their opponent, really didn't turn out to be the case. You know, Islam's striking was great; he was able to catch Volk multiple times, and uh, Volk. Um, I mean, Islam had a really hard time taking Volk down um, and keeping him down, and. He did get his back ride, which is, you know, the Dakistani like favorite position. It's usually where they're the strongest at. And Islam really couldn't dominate like we've seen other guys in that kind of format, especially with Habib, where, you know, he would really just ragdoll people. And Islam in the first round did an okay job there. And as the rounds went on, Alex was able to thwart a lot of that and, you know, really make it a difficult fight for him. So it was it was a fun fight overall. You muted. I want to put out at the beginning what this podcast today is or isn't going to be talking about in this main event. 
this is not going to be a podcast where we get into a giant debate about scoring because it was a very close fight. And um, honestly, I thought at the end, I'm like, these are my exact things I said. I said, I think with that inflection, Alex won. The round I was least confident about, Mark, was the round everybody else seems to be debating the most, which is the second. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of conversation about the third also. The people who think Alex won the fourth should probably stop talking. I don't know how you think he won. I know it wasn't Mm -hmm. a good look that he was shit-talking Islam while punching him backwards while Islam was holding on for dear life with his mouth open. Islam still won that. Anyway, um, honestly, I'm looking at this. This is a very close fight. The people, it's 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 close to a 50-50 split. And who they thought won. Second round being the most contentious round. But um, we're not going to get into that because, quite frankly, no one got robbed here. It was a close fight. I think they're going to do it again soon. We'll talk about that. Um, and also, there's a story going around that Islam Mahachev, according to Dan Hooker, illegally used an IV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hooker hasn't presented any evidence. Want and, the receipts. And, you uh, need the receipts. Islam's co-manager who is no more reputable than his own manager gave a response that somehow gave made me less i somehow not believe that more that he did it that tells you how i feel about islam's management there's no reason to get into that bullshit quite frankly mark i'm thinking real i'm I'm real positive about everything we saw in that main event i had a really good time i thought it was as you said it was important because we put up with a lot of we watch a lot of bullshit and put up with a lot of nonsense in this sport but you know what these two dudes went out there there was no feud. There was no hyped up any bullshit. You know, they were like, anything they talked before the fight was all like, based on their skills. You know, nobody, there was nothing, I know outside crap I did, we had to deal with. It was the there guy was, who, There was some height shaming. There was a lot of yeah, the short you know guy I mean. can't okay. be me. Nah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know it what was, I mean? It was very like, I, rudimentary yeah. trash because talk at Ultimately, this fight was about the best pound for pound fighter, according to most people's list, taking on the best lightweight in the world and number two on a lot of people i don't know how we talked about it ourselves side note how he just moved up to number two somehow but number two pound for pound guy and that's what this sport's about people it's about seeing who's the best fighter you know and these dudes went out there and you know what we much have won and if they fight again we'll see but um marcus you said it man i was impressed with Mahachev striking i knew it was decent we talked about it you brought it up last time how he's got a pretty like he's got a better striking game than Khabib to be honest um Mm -hmm. and I not that I didn't think he's capable of that but like is he dropped uh Chuck Oliveira last fight but -hmm. like Charles was doing like flying shit and he's all over the place and he's not considered maybe like the one of the more cerebral strikers the way Alex is so I was Mm -hmm. super impressed with that I was just like Alex's grappling in general and takedown defense was excellent and uh, the fourth round, the way Islam tied that, uh, timed that takedown mark was like a thing of beauty. That was like the single most mm-hmm. like beautiful moment anybody had in that fight. I thought it was so cool. I The fight was just real cool, man. It was real cool. I came out of it thinking no less of Alex, obviously. I think mm-hmm. people should probably give, it, give Islam more credit than he's getting because motherfucker's a G. He flew across the world, okay? To fight this other dude in his home country, all right, in a hostile environment, got the job done, you know, and he beat the number one pound for pound fighter. So Islam deserves a little bit of credit here too, in general. 
I just came out of sure. just totally impressed with everything. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, the thing I was really impressed with was, you know, again, it was these guys making, you know, what we thought perceived weaknesses, their strength. Um, you know, one of the things that Volk does the best in anyone in any division is his entrances in and out of the pocket. That's how he wins so many fights is he faints. He's doing one thing and then he comes in and does another thing. And Islam caught him going in the pocket frequently. And that was surprising. He caught him coming in. He caught him exiting out. Like in, in I mean, because there's one time he, I don't know if he dropped him, but like, I think um, Volk went into the pocket. He threw a body shot and he countered with a left straight that clocked Dude, him. Dude, that left straight he was landing him. all night. Yeah. That was on point. Well, and there was even, there was even times where he was trying to time him entering with the left straight and Volk would be able to slip it and he'd get inside and he kind of realized, like, you know, the left straight has a very kind of narrow field that you're hitting with your fists. So then he threw a left elbow as he entered and nailed him with that. Um, his knees were good. He was, you know, because Volk does have a tendency when he gets in the pocket, he does start to throw to kind of dip his head down a little bit. So he was throwing knees that were catching him to the body and the head. Both guys just did a lot of good stuff, you know. And, we, and like I mentioned before, you know, Volk really not allowing the grappling to get the best of him in Islam, not really, you know, especially that fourth round, he had a good position, but I mean, what made Habib and a lot of these Dakistanis wrestlers so devastating is they don't, they usually don't just sit in one position. They're usually not in Mount. They're usually like trying to pass or trying to go for a submission hard or, you know, moving around and making the other guy work. And, you know, Islam just didn't really have the gas tank to push Volk. Like we've seen him push other guys and break them that way. So yeah, overall, just, what a fantastic fight. It, it will be interesting to see if they come back. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about the co-main event, but it looks like Volk already has, you know, a challenger waiting for him. And I think that fight is is intriguing. And Islam, you know, just became 155 champion. And that's a talent-rich pool. So I'd like to see him maybe defend. And down the line, maybe we do this again. And I would imagine, you know, they gained a lot of experience in this fight. If they go on and fight other guys in their respective fields, they'll only get better. Um, and maybe we'll get an even more compelling fight next time. Yeah, man, that was that was just so cool, man. And I know like they don't like doing the champ champ fights, um, because I think they don't. It holds up multiple divisions, right? They don't let guys because I think we all like kind of look. We all said it last week. Everybody said it. We all kind of recognize him. Alex won this fight. He was never going to be a featherweight again. He was not. I mean, he was not going to be that. He was going to. They're going to make him give up that title, right? They don't like doing the double champ stuff. I mean, what did it take for them to give Alex this fight? Alex had to beat Max Holloway three fucking times to get this. That and it's, you know, mm -hmm. that he had to do that. Um, and yeah, um, Yair is the number one contender. We'll get into that in a minute here. Um, I enjoyed some of the post-fight stuff just because like, they were like, Alex thought, Alex was like, man, it would have been cool if I pulled that off. He was, he recognized the moment too. The cheering, the crowd, the whole thing. It would have been so cool, you know, if they announced the decision there. Um I enjoyed um, Alex has got uh, Craig Jones as his jujitsu coach, uh, Abu Dhabi mm -hmm. silver medalist. Um, and I guess Craig Jones is like been needling Islam all the, all the jujitsu people talk shit, a ton of shit, especially when they're not going to fight when they're coaching. I've noticed, you know, but I guess he was like saying that, oh, Alex is going to surprise Islam or whatever. And Islam talked about how good. Alex's grappling was and how Craig was a good influence on him. But at, at, at Islam apparently told like, I guess backstage you told Craig. He's like, Craig, why don't you teach Islam uh, how to stop body triangle? I mean, I want to, I, like, Craig, why don't you teach Alex how to stop body triangle? You forget to you forget to teach him that. So you know that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, 
Um, the scorecards, as we mentioned, 3-2-3. Three, three. Oh, we didn't mention, but it was 3-2-3-2 three, two, three, two, and 4-1 for Islam. Didn't really like mm-hmm. the 4-1 personally. Um, I understood how he got there. More I thought about it and looked around. But I thought it was 3-2, honestly, either way, with the second round being the swing round. That was just me. And again, no real controversy, I don't think. This wasn't a robbery. Every time there's a close fight, doesn't mean it's a robbery. Marcus, everybody I talked to was like a casual MMA fan. They all thought Volk won. And I think given the mm-hmm. nature of how Islam was winning rounds and how Volk was winning rounds at the end, especially like that fourth round, as we talked about being Islam, such a good round for Islam, despite how visually how visually he didn't look good, but he definitely won the round, you know, clearly. I think it has like hurt like in terms of like how people thought, like I think it swayed how people thought about the fight, you know, because again, there were some idiots who thought Islam lost that fourth round. But Alex came out of this Look, you know, smelling like roses, man. I don't think Alex lost. I mean, I guess he lost a pound for pound status, but I don't think he lost anything else, you know, really. And I uh, hope Islam yeah, didn't no, I mean, either. I, I saw a lot of people saying like this was the best, you know, moral victory they've ever seen. Um, I mean, I do think right now as the fight is fresh in our minds. Yeah, I, I always wonder in a couple of years time where we don't remember exactly how close the fight was. It's just an L, right? It's another loss. Um, which never looks good. But yeah, I don't think his stock fell mm. at all. Um, I mean, cause I, I think anytime a champion goes up in weight and tries to, you know, achieve something like that, it's very difficult to achieve. And, you know, if they falter, I don't think they lose a ton of stock. Like with when Izzy went up to 205. And I think that performance was a lot more damaging, right? Like mm. he really got controlled. That wasn't nearly as competitive a fight as here. I think a lot of people can look at this and be like, well, you know, when you're fighting normally at 145, you know, 10 pounds is a fairly, you know, decent amount of weight to add on. So it's kind of a big jump. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think he really lost much. And I think he's going to go right back to 145 and keep dominating. And I think, you know, at some point he will try again to have a 155 dual champion thing. I think that'll be exciting I mean, to see. It doesn't have to be the dual champion. He wants to just go get that belt. He can do that too. That's true. Um, he could just forfeit 145 and permanently move up to 55. Um, Luke Thomas says something, and I'm paraphrasing. And he was, uh, he. I'm a big fan of Luke's uh, immediate post-fight, post-pay-per-view analysis things he does. Um it's I just enjoy listening to him when he's just, you know, instant reaction stuff. He says something about that I kind of agree with. He said, you know, with uh, with combat sports, when it, it really can be, I'm messing it up already, but he was talking about how courage, you know, because it takes courage, what Alex did. You know what I mean? It took, it took courage to, for Islam to fly across the world to fight him there too. Takes courage, obviously, to do any fight, but it takes courage when Connor uh, took courage when Connor moved up to one fifty five. It takes courage when DC moved up to heavyweight. It takes courage when Izzy tried to do it, and it's not always going to work. It took courage when Amanda moved up, you know. Also, but you get these moments in this sport, you know, where we really get to see greatness, and like it's only it only really happens because these guys had the courage to do it, you know. So I think sh- anytime anybody goes for this, and I know they're doing it for money, and it's not an altruistic endeavor obviously but i think it really says something where you go out there and you're a champion and you're gonna be and you know and you're doing great in your division and you're like you know fuck it i want to see if i want i want to test myself you know i'm gonna roll the dice here and we get you know sometimes it doesn't work izzy got like beat i think he lost four rounds probably i don't remember him doing well in that fight at all so izzy lost four rounds you know dc became double champion 
Volkanovski lost. Connor became double champion. So I don't know. I thought it was awesome overall. That's the you know thing a general position there. And uh, as we get into the co-main event betting line that came out that I see, Alex minus five hundred, Yair plus three seventy-five. I imagine that will get a little bit closer if the fight actually gets booked because that is a large line. Mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, Cam's at right now is a minus 300 over Bo Nickel, and Bo Nickel's got three MMA fights. So give you a point of reference here. Um, all right, co-main event, Marcus. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I, how I thought this was going to go and how wrong I was. Not that I thought I, uh, Josh was going to win because we all picked Yair. I kind of thought Yair was not going to let Josh get near him. I thought Yair was going to dance around him, pick him apart, you know, go in and out and maybe engage. Not Not engage. Not go linear, linearly right fucking and stand in front of him and get in the pocket. Um, Yair did some of that first part, but Yair got right in the pocket and swung with this dude too. Um, Yair got some big old balls, Marcus. I'm not sure all of that was the greatest strategy, but it worked. Ultimately, he got the job done. Um, I think in the second he got him with like a, I thought I, I, he was hurting him standing. I don't remember the exact sequence of events where they got to the ground. Do you? Uh, yeah, he he faked a couple spinning moves and threw a flying knee, and Josh took him down. Yeah, there it is. Then he got triangled and yada, yada, yada. What'd you think, man? We got ourselves a new interim champion. The Yair experiment pays off in a belt finally. What'd you think? Yeah, no, I, I love the fight, and it was mostly because both these guys really went for the finish. And I, yeah. I, anytime any fighter, whatever ranking or you know stakes are on the line like when you go out there and try to actually finish the fight you know i'll be a fan of yours you know i don't like when guys play it safe i want to see guys go out there and really try to to put the hurt on and and close the show and both these guys did and both of them got hurt multiple times you know yair was doing a good job standing on the outside blasting him with kicks he hurt him to the liver um with a big left kick to the body and Josh fired back. He was able to get in the pocket, like you mentioned before. Yair was able to engage him there. And he caught a big punch, got taken down in the first round, some pretty mean ground and pound. Uh, but, you know, what Emmett does is, like, he does throw hard. It does tend to wear out his gas tank. And, you know, in these mid and later rounds, he does he, – he, he, he has the heart and perseverance to keep pushing – like, the fatigue doesn't completely stop him, but, like, you can just tell, like, man, this guy's really, he's running on fumes, and, you know, as he was taking more damage and ultimately got that takedown, I think he just got a little lazy, you know. Um, Yair did a great setup where he went for an armbar. Once Josh was defending that, he switched it to a triangle, and that was that was a wrap, but, yeah, a very good performance for Yair. Um, yeah, obviously, he, he's he, going to fight Volk. Emmett kind of got, t- sorry to cut you off, but Emmett got a little tired in that last one, too. His, his, his yeah. round is not super – his style isn't super built for five rounds. Um, do you know what I appreciated um, is that Josh Emmett's an excellent wrestler, like credentialed, really good wrestler, right? And mm-hmm. he generally doesn't use it a ton, um, but it's there. I mean, there's a reason Izzy – I'm sorry, the reason um, uh, Yair had uh, – I'm not sure you notice – Israel Martinez, the old John Jones's wrestling coach too, is Yair's mm-hmm. wrestling coach. He was right there in the corner with him. And I appreciated that Yair had no worries about having to go to the ground. And as you said, mm-hmm. he went for the finish. He was fucking throwing flying knees. He didn't give a fuck. Like, this guy's um, NAIA something in wrestling. I forgot what he did. 
He was like a mm-hmm. something. He did something in wrestling. He was, you know, well, decent. But I like, mean, to yeah, years credit outside of just him being a good submission, you know, grapple off his back. I mean, he's really set those up by throwing some of the like biggest arcing elbows I've seen anyone throw off their back. Like, it's not just that he's throwing these kind of n- not downward downward elbows because they're kind of going horizontal. But, like, you could see the dude is basically, like, arcing his back. He's trying to get, like, as much distance and speed on these elbows as he could and was smashing them down on Emmett. And, you know, usually when you're on your back, you can't really put a lot of offense on a guy. But, you know, we have seen people use elbows efficiently off their back because you can't cause cuts. Anderson did that, too. um, By the way, I was – let me tell you, as a guy who had a accidental – because I was aiming for – I was aiming to bet Yair by second round knockout. I accidentally did Yair by second round knockout via elbow. Let me tell you, when those elbows, he was raining them down. I'm like, come on, man. Come on. Let's just stop it, Raph, right now. He's hurting him with the elbows. And honestly, I mean, I, I mean, he's not, you know, my man's not Hoist Gracie off his back. Like, I think that had a big impact on it, you know, on getting Josh into submission, wouldn't you say? I mean, I would probably say he's probably better than Hoist. No offense to Hoist, okay, but like, we're in a different. Like he's not like we're a big guard. Like, I, I never saw Hoist do armbar to triangle transitions quite like that. But but no. Um, joking aside, like yeah, no, Yair is a extremely well rounded fighter. You know, he's extremely dynamic on the feet and at distance, he's dangerous. And even you know, in the pocket, he can be dangerous. He can't throw hard. And we saw you know an overconfident zombie you know get hit with a surprising one of a kind elbow. So Yair has really proven himself over the years. The fight with Max, I think, really paved the way for a lot. Even in a losing effort, right? A lot of people saw like, okay, he he really pushed Max. This was a really tough fight. This guy has the medal to contest for the belt. And, you know, the stars kind of aligned here where he was able to fight for it. And uh, he had a worthy opponent in Josh uh, Emirate. And he, he won the fight fair and square. So he's going to fight Volk. That's going to be a tough fight. Um, but I am still intrigued to see him fight other guys at 145. I want to see him fight Ortega again because that was, you know, kind of an injury. Uh, oh, Ortega! Ortega and... fir- was the first one to tweet saying, "Congratulations, I'll see you soon." Which I like. Well, I, th- I, I think on- soon, but... honestly, buddy, I think, and you know me, I'm a big Alex Volkanovsky mark over here. You know, I, I love the guy. Minus 500 is a lot, and look to be clear, I think we both think Alex definitely wins this fight, but. I think people don't realize you. nobody runs through Yair. Like, people point to the Frankie Edgar fight. That was his worst performance. It was six fucking years ago. Like, he's 30 now. He was a kid. He put it on Max, man. He put it on. I mean, Ortega fight was four minutes. It was not going bad for him. He was doing good. He beat up Jeremy mm-hmm. Stevens. That zombie fight, it wasn't like he was down four rounds. He was losing. He was going to lose three rounds in that one. Mm-hmm. You come out of these fights different. Yair hurts you. Like, Yair puts a hurting on you. Um, like, honestly, like, I started, I'm starting to subscribe to the theory that maybe the Max fight, that went worse for Max than Max thought it was going to. And I'm wondering if that had lingering effects. Because he went right from that into Alex. Good. Yair's going to be there for, I'm not I mean, he may lose, he might get finished, but minus 500 is a lot. Like, that's a, that's a huge favorite. Sure. That is insane. I mean, I, I think it's just coming off these two performances, right? I mean, he just well, he he went great. up in weight class. He fought Islam. And, you know, like you said, a lot of people fought he won the fight. Well, yeah, you did great too, though, fight. I'm saying. It was like, yeah, you did okay. Yeah, only. he did. Yeah, he did. But it's just, I think also when you look, when you start doing your MMA math, like, look, he lost, he lost to Max. Volks beat Max three times the last time he completely dominated mm. him. So, I mean, you could be right. Like, Yair might have really 
done a lot of damage to Max and Max couldn't perform at his normal clip mm-hmm. in that third uh, Volkanovski fight. And maybe that's why Volk just steamrolled him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fight's really intriguing. I just, I get minus 500. You know, he's been a dominant champ. He just tried to go up against, you know, another pound for pound great guy. Had a fantastic performance where, you know, he lost by inches, you know, in, in those second and third rounds. Those are extremely close rounds. I wonder what and the also, odds, honestly, buddy, I wonder what the odds would be on a, if they put up odds for him versus Islam again. I wonder how big of an underdog he even is. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. like Islam minus 200. And like Alex plus one fit, like what we're seeing for this Blanchfield Andrade fight, something like that. Honestly, I think it'd be very close. <laughs> close. Anyway, um, I think we're not going to get. I don't think we're going to get an immediate rematch. By the way, with Islam and Alex, as much no. as I, as much as I would enjoy that fight, I think Yair is fighting Alex in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I think they great. gave Alex this fight, and they're going to say, "Hey, you owe us one. We need you to go fight." Yair in elevation in Mexico and Alex is a fucking G and he'll do it anyway um I can't say G anymore one because I'm old two that mm. fucking prick calls himself top G um what's the fucking sexual assaulter Date? slash you know Andrew human Date? trafficker that guy yeah so anyway um I think the main event is Yair versus Alex I think the co-main event is Brandon Moreno versus Alexander Pantoja I think they go to Mexico with those two fights and uh, if they can, you know, put a banger as a third fight. Like, what about Alexa Grasso or something? Well, Grasso's fighting know, for the belt in three weeks. That. In three weeks, okay. she's fighting for the belt against uh, Valentina. Well, they have Irene Aldana then. I, th- right? I thought I she was going to fight. Have... Yeah, they have other Mexican fighters. But I think those right. two are deaf. I think you can leave, You can put two Mexican champions on a poster. Because I mean, no offense huge. to Alex. I mean, no offense to Yair. He may not be having a belt on his shoulder in four months after that fight. So we might want to take sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Cash in. Let's like, yeah, the UFC, I feel, waits a lot of time. I think this, I mean, you know what? If they can't do Mexico, because I don't know if they've been to Mexico since COVID, to be honest. If they can't, so. fucking Phoenix, fucking actually Los Angeles, really. San Diego or La- something. Yeah. San Diego doesn't have a good arena. But I was going to say Los Angeles, mm-hmm. maybe Phoenix or Vegas. That's another good. That's you got to do that. Sure. That's, but I do think in Mexico, this is your chance. And you have two. You have you have a weight class. You have two weight classes where guys don't get tired. Like Yair's done five rounds in Mexico already, so and Alex doesn't get tired. Um, one more fight we're gonna mention. Um, we gotta start paying attention to um, uh, Jack Della Madalena. Um, this guy is running through UFC fighters. He is four and zero since getting to the actual UFC, not counting the Contender series. None of his fights have gone past 324. All finishes, three knockouts, and now a sub to Randy Brown. And that sub, quite frankly, was came off the uh, off the heels of dropping Randy Brown. Um, mm-hmm. Marcus, you guys just go back and checking this out. This guy is uh, someone we're going to pay attention to. And uh, he just beat Randy, who I don't know if Randy was ranked, but if I was going to tell you how good of a fight Randy fighter Randy is, I'd say around 15, you know, 15 sure. to 20 maybe in that weight class. I think we give him, you know, we get ourselves Madalena, give him a guy, uh, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15. Try to think who, do, who that would even make sense at welterweight. Let me see. Let's give him somebody Magny's like. too high, right? Huh? Magni. Magni too high. Uh, Magni's, Magni's 13. That's, a, top 10, that's right? a tall order. <laughs> I know Neil just lost. Magni likes smoked. hard fights. Well, like, yeah, Neil. <laughs> I was going to say Neil's not a bad fight there. I was going to say the leech, but the leech has an opponent. 
Kiesa, mm. that's another one. These are all tough. Okay, sure. You're you're in the Shark Tank now. This is welterweight where dudes like Shafkot are ten. So like, see what you got, man. Um, I thought a lot of this card, honestly, I was watching a lot of these Aussie and New Zealand fighters, and I felt mm-hmm. a lot of them were getting. Uh, they weren't as good as the level of favorites they were on the betting lines. I felt like a lot of them. No, I mean, that's that's the betting line, right? No, I mean, I mean like it's not always. It felt like they were getting a little inflated. I don't know by what. Maybe maybe the crowd. Maybe but the isn't odd. isn't that like people betting on them more? That's what I think. Happened. The line I think, go up? I think people. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the Aussies, Aussies got behind excited. it. Yeah, yeah, and they, they got excited about their boys fighting at home and like, oh, of course he's gonna win. And, and you know. um, Loma Luke Boonme, uh versus Elise Reed was fun. Um, Luna Luma hit her with a leg kick, Marcus. Uh, and it looked like she hit her with a paintball. Like she got her mm, with like, what's it called? Um, the st- the part of your right underneath your big toe, right to the left of your like your big toe, that bone. People have sir bunion. Yeah, I don't know. Where, mm-hmm. where you get bunions, it looked like she cracked her there, and it like the woman looked like she got a fucking welt from a paintball there. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, Thai kickboxer there. Um, and uh, my dude Tyson Pedro let me down on multiple levels, but uh, it was this card was honestly what we said it was going to be. Uh. Two really good fights, and then a bunch of nubs, basically. Some interesting things happened here or there. Justin Toffa smoking Parker Porter was cool. Madalena's fight was cool, but anyway. UFC's back next week. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield taking on Jessica Andrade. We'll talk about that in a few minutes here. Um, I don't believe any... Let me see if anybody else has got something going on here. We do have... Ah, we're, we're still a week away from this. Uh, John Lineker uh, taking on um, Fabricio Andrade in one. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that first one? I thought we talked about it. Yeah, I mean, that was the one where Lineker was getting pieced up, and then there was, was it an eye poke? Yeah, all of a sudden he couldn't, when he couldn't see, and I'm just like, well, you're also getting beat up. <laughs> yeah. So, like I, thought, I remember, like, good. as someone had money on Lineker, I'm like, yo, get out of this fight. We got to get out of this fight with, like, a no yeah. contest. Um, that's going to be a sick fight, though. I, I like that Andrade kid. Uh, that's a few weeks away. No one. Bellator is on. I don't know what Bellator's doing. Bellator's got nothing until the 25th. So the UFC's next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Andrade stepping in on short notice to take on Aaron Blanchfield. Originally was supposed to be uh, Talia Santos. Um, just making sure uh, there's anything. There's any MMA news we missed out on. Shaq believes Conor McGregor will come back with a vengeance. Thanks, Shaq. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks, buddy. Um, appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I think we should talk about Jens Pulver, though, real quickly before we get into the pick, because that was one of the better sure. parts of the show. Did you see that? Did you see when you're watching back? Did you see that moment where uh, uh, they put a clip of it on? I mean, and we we talked about it at work. Like, uh, look, I, I like Jens. I, I literally really enjoy watching his fights. Like, yeah. I love watching his pride fights. I thought once he was able to kick dudes on the ground, he had some of the most vicious stops. Um, I've seen in pride. Um, he had a great fight. I, I think I, I'm, it might've been one of my fights fights that we like or fights to remember with him in mm. uh, Hayato Sakurai and the lightweight grand prix. Um, but like, I, I can't ignore the fact that like this guy's very emotional. I'm not surprised when he was doing cause he, and I, and I know for like the last year or so he's doing like the, um, what do they call those? Like 
commentary that you can watch along with. Like, I thought he's just streaming like on Twitch or something for the UFC, but he does it for the UFC, well, right? Or he does it? it for the UFC, yeah. So I wasn't surprised when I saw, you know, a thumbnail where it's like, oh, Jens gets surprised with, you know, becoming the uh, Hall of Great. What, what's Hall the, of the, Fame? The, um, Hall of Fame, yeah. Um, on stream and he started crying because, like, he's just an emotional guy. And, yeah. Um, so that, that stuff wasn't, you know, surprising. What I was surprised, I didn't know the he has braces on because I noticed, like, the thumbnail, his mouth looked kind of weird. And it's just like when you. Yeah, have, that's I what I was telling my girlfriend. I'm just like, man. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, Jen's got new teeth. I didn't see at first the braces. I'm like, Jen's got new teeth. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, man, man had a fucked up mouth. <laughs> like Mike would have. Yeah, well, like, like Mike his, not being here bums of, me out for that. Yeah, moment. his <laughs> his gums and his like uh, lips around kind of get pushed out when yeah. you have braces because like I don't know, like, your your skin gets inflamed because yeah. you have fucking metal jetting yeah. out of your teeth. I know I've been there. Um, and hey, good for him, man. I mean, I, I could tell you, like I. As a kid, when I was in high school, I hated having braces. Yeah, Once I got too, them off, I was like, oh, that was absolutely worth it. Mm. That was so worth it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I was like, man, my teeth were all jacked up before. And uh, not Was that his son right, with him, you think? I think so, yeah. I mean, it, I, that was honestly, I was just like, I like this sport, this company. And I, I, when I say this, I mean, I'm, this company, I talked about it last week. We don't, we need to do a better job in this sport of honoring our old fighters. And I would love yeah. an MMA Hall of Fame. Because I don't view it as the UFC's mm. responsibility to go honor, like, fucking semi-shilt or something. You know? Or, like, sure. it's not their job. I would like them to honor the guys who were in the company. And I know we have to have a bad relationship with fucking everybody. And everybody's bad. And only the UFC's good. But, like, I like that they did this. You know? The guy deserved it. He was the first lightweight mm -hmm. champion, right? Yeah. Because it was a draw. The first title fight had a draw. And then they had to do it all over again when... I think he won it even before then because I think it was bantamweight. I, I, I watched a little video uh -huh. they had for his Hall of Fame thing. And, I mean, uh, when he beat BJ, he had already had the belt. And they were calling it the bantamweight belt. And he, he defeated him to re retain it. And then they scrapped the division. He, right? he won it against Uno. Mm -hmm. And then right. I don't know if they're, if they're saying they called it. Yeah, it was called bantamweight, but that was 155. Mm -hmm. He defended against Dennis Hallman. Then he beat up BJ. Mm -hmm. And then the yeah. UFC, then he had the audacity to ask for money. So yep. he had to leave. They cut him. Yep. Yeah. And then he came back to coach the best season of tough that there ever was, honestly. Mm -hmm. That was after he got yeah. knocked out by Joe Lozon. Put that aside. But and then him and BJ fought. I like they put that in the highlight video, him getting choked by BJ, but then they're like, oh, mm -hmm. they were hugging afterwards. I'm like, okay, at least you showed the whole thing. The guy deserved it, man. Um, I don't know what it gets out of this. Quite frankly, he had braces. That my takeaway was like, I hope he's on salary as an employee and he's got dental. That was my takeaway from that. It, yeah, I mean, I it does seem like he is still entrenched with the UFC. He still does. He makes content for them. To, to what extent? I know he does these watch-alongs. I think he might do, do some other stuff too. I'm sure if we dig around on Fight Pass, he's probably all over the place. Mm. Um, but I mean, just as a character, right? Like he's always come off as a very genuine person. Yeah. Like he loves the sport. He loves boxing. You know, he loves to compete. He loves to talk about the sport. He's just like a generally just like a cool, nice dude, you know? So it's, and, and, and as much as I kind of rag on him for being emotional and stuff, like you can tell it means something to him. Like I, I for me, it's kind of like, I, what, what does it really mean to be like a hall of famer at the end of the day? Really? Like, I don't know. I don't know. What, 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 you get 15% off at Starbucks? Yeah. I don't think you get shit for it. It's just something to put on your legacy. And I don't think a lot of these guys necessarily need it. I don't think, if you ask me, like, oh, what do you think of Jen's pulver? 
like I would think more of him now that the UFC after all these years has, you know, giving him this hall of fame status would make me think more of his career. I'd be like, this guy was one of the pioneers, you know, he held, you know, one of the first, you know, weight division belts for the UFC. He defended it multiple times and he went outside of the UFC and had great fights there too. You know, after he left the UFC, he fight Dwayne Ludwig. He went to pride. He was fighting all over the place. He was, he, he was a after... big part of WEC. He, Uriah talks yeah, about was, how important was... Jens was for him. He says beating yeah. Jens Pulver was a big deal for the WEC for me. He says that was massive for my career, massive for this organization. People knew who Jens was. Man, yeah. these guys, you know why it's important for him? There was no fucking money when he did this. There was no money in this sport, sure. man. Like, yeah. So like when he did it, Sure, he, he was. It was a prize fighting. He was getting some money. I'm sure he was well compensated compared to the other people on the undercard. But like, the man was literally doing it because he loved this, and this was his way of competing athletically. And before you know, a time where fucking Sean O'Malley is six foot tall or whatever, and he's fighting at 135 pounds, and he's talking about money, and all these guys are talking about how much money they're going to make in this or that. None of these guys have a fucking job without people like Jens Pulver, man. These like this sure. weight class was like him and it, BJ and all these dudes. Like Yeah. And and Jens talks about that. He said, you know, when he was fighting at 155, everyone was saying, like, you have to fight at 70 at least. You know, there's no there's no future at 55. And it's not like he was wrong. You know, yeah. he basically was a champion. They scrapped the division. Like we thought they were gonna scrap 135 for all these years, and they still haven't. So good on UFC, but 25. they killed the division. Right. And he had to go outside and like, yeah, he did. He had a big name. So he was able to still garner, hopefully, a good paycheck. And he ultimately went to pride and was fighting guys, you know, significantly bigger than him. And he still held his own. So, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely a pioneer. Um, and, and again, for me, even more so than like his accomplishments, he was just a fun fighter. Like you go back and watch some of Jens's fights like that's a guy that went to finish. Like that's a guy that he didn't stall out. He's always looking to, to well, knock Marcus, your block off. Unless you have another fight in mind, do you want? Do you have a Jens Pulver fight? We can just right now off the fly. Would you recommend people to watch? Because I would. You like, know better I than I do. Fight, but what? Or you had a different? I mean, I had a different. You fight went to a different one. Talk about it. What's in Jens? But I had to think. I'd have well, to you got look to, through, Fuck it. I mean, do two. I have none. So okay. you do two. Let's do. Let's give okay. a Jens fight. Um, we'll do another one too. Well, I think if we're gonna do Jens, I think his most significant fight is that BJ fight. The first one. Because that was a fight where. The, the first one yeah, okay. where he where he won. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the second one, one was good it. too, but yeah. It was, but yeah. like at that, he was kind of past mm. his prime. Mm. But I think that first fight was really significant because BJ was the young, I mean, the, his nickname was Suit for him, a prodigy, right? Like this was a guy that knew how to throw hands and knees, was a good striker, was a phenomenal BJJ guy. And you looked at Jens and Jens really was a boxer kind of wrestler like he knew how to grapple a little bit but like it was really his boxing that got him to the dance and you know on paper bj should have demolished him you know and, and i think jen's put it uh eloquently i think it was on that season of tough where he could tell like you know bj thought he was just gonna walk right through him and he said like he, he's like it's like not today man i'm gonna shit in this dude's cereal and he beat him he, yep. he really put a beating on on bj and i think that was probably his shining moment, right? I think that was the, the fight where it seemed like he was really going to be outgunned and he persevered and won. Um, you know, I, I like to mention some of the pride fights because he soccer kicked the shit out of some people. And those were just like oh, yeah. some fun, <laughs> yeah. some fun finishes. Like he, I, I think it was the first time he was in pride. I think it was Bushido seven. 
I don't really know that the Japanese guy he was fighting, but I think he knocked him down with a punch. And as he was trying to stand back up, he soccer kicked the shit out of him. And I was like, man, that's one of the meanest soccer kicks I've seen in Pride. You know what? They probably um, some they probably curated a decent playlist for the guy, but definitely watch the BJ fight. Marcus, what's mm-hmm. your other fight? Since we're already talking, let's do that, and then we'll make our picks. Well, another one, um, as I was going through the annals of uh, Fight Pass and, you know, have to give them props, they do have a really good library. There's a lot of stuff in there that um, I never got to see when I was, you know, a younger fan. This stuff was just, like, impossible to find online. Um, and one of the organizations I really loved and did not get to see a lot of was Shuto. Um, also called Valley Judo Japan. I think Valley Judo Japan was like their big yearly show. And then they call it Professional Shuto Japan. They still do Shuto still around. It's mostly in Brazil now. I don't think the Japanese organization does as much. But um, like I mentioned, you know, one of my favorite fighters, Hayato Sakurai, um, was a big Shuto guy. And I was watching just a rant. I think I was watching one of the Valley Judo events. And uh, I, I knew Frank Trigg had fought quite a bit in Valley Judo and Shuto. Um, but I got to see him fight. Um, God, Bob, I can't remember these. There's these grapplers. Was it Gene Jock? Jean Jock like, Machado? The guy, with, yeah, the, the guy uh, with, the, with the hand thing. I, I don't think it was him. I think it was like his brother. He fought him oh, in Shuto. Yeah. And I know Frank beat the shit out of him. And like, I. Okay, I'll say this. I don't like Frank as a commentator. I think as a referee, the few times I've seen he's been. Yeah, fine. Was it Carlos like or him. Higgin, or was it Hodger? It might have, maybe it was Hodger. Who did he fought? Did he fought Sakurai. Yeah, so the fight okay. I want to talk about was was the Sakurai fight because uh. that was such a good one. I mean, and like I was saying, I just I liked watching Frank Trigg fight. Like this was a power wrestler guy who just had mean ground and pound. Knew how to stand. He was like one of the few southpaws. He had a great left straight. Um, he got Gene actually in the fight. He finished him there. He faked a front kick and blasted a knee when he tried to go on the um, for a takedown. And him and Hato Sakurai um, fought early on. And man, what a fight! You know, Frank had mentioned earlier on when he was doing Pride commentary, he kind of had this chip on his shoulder where he's like, "Judo guys can't handle wrestling." And I think a lot of this came from the Hato uh, Sakurai fight. Because he was able to really win a lot of these wrestling exchanges. He got Hato Sakurai down. He blasted him with some mean ground and pound. Just like some brutal stuff in the first round. Hato really you know, was taking a beating. He looked like he was just kind of outmatched. Round two came around and he Hato blasted him with a knee from the tie clinch. And this was in the early days of MMA where there was all kinds of weird rule sets. And one of the weird things Shuto did was they would have an eight count. Like, so if you were standing and got knocked down, it would stop the fight and give you an eight count to, you know, recompose yourself and continue the fight. And I don't think Frank was like super aware of this because he got blasted with a knee and he got right back up and he's like, oh, I'm okay. And the referee started counting. He's like, what's this counting going on? And then, like, and then basically Hayato blasted him with like two more knees and finished the fight. But like, what a back and forth fight. Frank looked good. The beating he put on him in that first round was fantastic and then Hato to come back and, and win off of knees in the clinch was was really spectacular it was a really fun fight to watch do you have any idea why they were calling these the shuto r-e-a-d like one two three well do you know what r-e-a-d stands for in this on no, any level no, i'm trying I to figure no this idea. out yeah I yeah they're weird yeah um but but yeah i just i, I always like that organization and that's where carl uno fought that's where um they still Ramindo got champions they had, they had a, they had a uh, last fight was in april 22 
Okay. I never. I, maybe they're not on Fight Pass because I see Shuto Brazil a lot, but I don't see Shuto Japan. Yeah, there are. Um, they were hanging out a lot in Corican Hall. It looked like, but yeah, I don't know what's left there. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that hall is like really small. Like this is minor yeah. League stuff. New Japan. When New Japan runs that place, you're like, okay, this holds like a few thousand people, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, very intimate. It seemed like it'd be fun. January. To fight there, but... Or sorry, this was December 2000. Yeah. And, yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was again like. Fight Pass is fun. You know, they don't have everything, which is unfortunate because I think I was looking for Carl Uno next and like they don't have dream. They don't have dream. They don't have heroes. K1's uh, MMA organizations like they're definitely missing some kind of big organizations, but they have a lot of this old stuff that I really relish, you know, um, man, Sakurai, so Sakurai fought way too long. I thought Sakurai was too old to fight Nick Diaz when he fought him in 2010. Turns out he wasn't even that old. He's 47 now. Uh, yeah, and I think he might have been fighting even recently. Uh, 2016, maybe. apparently, was his last fight. Okay. okay. He came out, but uh, and before that, it was 2013. So, yeah, uh, Sakurai versus uh, Frank Trigg from mm-hmm. Shuto R-E-A-D final. Uh, yeah, Reed, Reed final. <laughs> Reed, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out what Reed stands for here. Yeah, um, I don't know. Could, to mean, it could be nothing, quite frankly. Um, man, Jen's only got a majority decision over BJ. What was, what was going on there? I gotta watch it. We should all yeah. watch it again. I, remember, I just remember it was pretty much one of those, oh, BJ didn't train for this one. <laughs> it was yeah, one of those. There was a few of those. All right, let's make our pick. Um, UFC's back at the Apex next week. Um, the main event was going to be Chito Vera versus um, Corey Sandhagen. And everybody was furious yep. that that fight's not going to be in front of people. So we all got monkey pod because that fight got moved to um, a different card, to an ESPN card in San Antonio mm. in front of people. So instead, we got a main event of Aaron Blanchfield versus Talia Santos, which is very good fight. Rest mm-hmm. of the card remained garbage. Then Talia Santos, um, none of her corner people could get visas, including her husband. Mm. So she had to withdraw. And Jessica Andrade able to get on the plane while carrying her massive balls to take this fight on Zashuchler notice, Mark. Five-round fight mm-hmm. on, like, I mean, I hope she knew for, I'm hoping with Talia's situation with the visa, Andrade knew for at least, like, maybe a week or two that this might happen. How long has it been since her last fight? Uh, that was, she, that was like not was that long recent. ago, was it? Yeah. yeah. And she, I don't remember her taking a lot of damage. I'm trying to see what this fight was. I don't want to guess. Uh, it just, was Lauren Murphy. That was that was a decision. Um, that was one. That one. She beat Lauren Murphy's ass so badly, people thought they should stop the fight. Yeah, that was in. That was yeah, like, three weeks ago. Like about two weeks month. ago. Yeah, yeah. That was three weeks the ago. Twenty first. Um, Jessica Andrade is a little fucking demon, man. You know she is just a powerhouse. Um, she's still favorite mm-hmm. in this one. She's coming in at minus two hundred. No, the line moved minus one sixty five. Gotta put my bets in. Um, Aaron Blanche and, and Andrade is on a three-fight win streak with wins over... Um, I just fucking lost it. Wins over Cynthia Calvillo, Amanda Lemos, uh, which was the submission of the year for a lot of us, her standing arm triangle. And then move back mm-hmm. to flyweight to take on Lauren Murphy. This is also... A, and that was a three-round decision where she just beat Lauren Murphy's ass for 15 minutes. This is uh, would be her fourth straight win if she was to win. Um, 
taking on Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield is a uh, bit of a super prospect. Um, her last fight was when she just beat the crap out of uh, Molly McCann in front of New York City, my my uh, Mike and myself, um, and her family friend who was sitting next to us. We all had a great time. The crowd had less of a good time. She's from New Jersey. The crowd should have been more on board, but... She's 10-1. and one. She has won seven straight fights, extending back to her time at Cage Fury. Her only loss was against uh, a split to Tracy Cortez at Invicta FC 34 in 2019, which was when she was 18 years old. Yeah, she was 18 years old. Um, Blanchfield in the UFC, 4-0. Um, betting odds for this one, plus 140. She is at minus 165 for Andrade. That can extend up to close to 200 with Andrade and close to 150, 160 with Blanchfield. Um, Mike's taken Blanchfield. Um, he, like me, and I, so am I. We are firmly on the hype train after the car, car, the one we went to. And this isn't part of our picks, but I think she's going to finish her. Which I don't <clears> think <throat> happens that often with Jessica Andrade, to be honest. I don't know oh except she, for nine losses wow. so she, she loses she's more got by six, she's been finished six times though wow yeah mm-hmm. yeah valentina beat her ass whaley beat her ass these are not easy people she loses to though to be honest right you know her losses are like carmouche is a real fighter marino is a good fighter pennington's a good fighter these are all good fighters i just think blanchfield's special i think the biggest threat well you to, for me the biggest threat to valentina shevchenko for the longest time was tatiana suarez Who's finally healthy after missing like three years, it feels like, I think. Maybe longer. Um, Talia Santos is obviously a threat also because of how close that fight was. Mm-hmm. Aaron Blanchfield's a threat, man. She can get this fight on the ground. She's a very good grappler. She's training um, out of uh, Henzo, Gra- Henzo Gracie gym over there in New York. Um, she knows what she's doing. Andrade keeps this fight fighting. A whole different can of worms. But I got, I got Blanchfield. So does Mike. Who do you got, buddy? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jessica. I mean, on and a lot of that is coming from ignorance. I don't know if I've seen Blanchfield fight, to be honest. Mm. Um, so it, it's that it's, you know, let's let's make the picks a little interesting or last. Well, somebody two, picked the fucking favorite the for the love of God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's a number of things going against Jessica. Like you said, it's a very quick turnaround from a fight where she was extremely dominant against Lauren Murphy, but um, it was still three rounds of combat, right? There's, there's just a lot of wear and tear on the body for... Yeah, nobody feels you know, good after fighting Lauren Murphy. Nobody feels good after that fight, no matter what yeah, happened. <laughs> you know? Less than a month turnaround to have, you know, a, a main event um, fight is a lot, and I do feel like, like you were saying, like Aaron Blanchfield seems like if you're betting, yeah, betting that she'll win, betting that she'll potentially finish with a submission, I think those are fairly good bets, but I guess for me, you know, Jessica does have a lot of L's, but like you mentioned before, these are kind of the top women in these divisions, right? Like you look at basically everyone she lost, her last five losses are all people that either held the belt or um, have contended for the belt. Uh, And Aaron just really hasn't had that opportunity to fight that many high level, you know, female athletes. You know, I think like, molly and jj those might be i mean uh tracy cortez sounds familiar does she fight in the ufc yeah she's the one who's also she was i guess dating brian ortega she um if you saw if you looked her up you know immediately who we're talking about okay yeah okay okay she dated yeah i I know okay 
So, I mean, she's unfortunately mostly known for her looks, which right. that's where but, we are with that, the sport. That's a but, decent name. And, and she lost the split. So like, you have to assume it was close. Yeah. And like you said, it was, she was very, she was a very young fighter at that time. So I do think this is kind of a toss up fight. I think if she was fighting Santos and Santos had a full camp, I would feel even more okay, potentially mm-hmm. taking that fight. Um, but for me, it really is like, I, I'm not familiar with, uh, Aaron Blanchett. This is going to be a big coming out party for me. Like if she beats Jessica, that's a huge scalp. That's a big name. That's a tough opponent. She will insert herself in my mind to be a contender very quickly. If, if she's able to win this fight and even more so if she's able to, you know, win it impressively. So we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Um, yeah, yeah we're that, at that's the only rankings wise. Tune in. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Mm-hmm. Rankings wise, we should uh, couch this for this fight. We got number three taking on number 10. So mm. you got to imagine she gets up to number three. Valentina's booked right now. I guess it depends. We could jam that that Santos fight in there. But quite frankly, I would not. I would just give her the shot. Or I would give it to. <laughs> because right now it's think- Santos is one. Somehow there's two ones. They're somehow tied in this bullshit ranking system. Mm. Santos. Man in Fiorot, the French fighter. Um, mm. you, you definitely saw her fight too. There's too many fighters with names we don't recognize at this point. She beat up uh, Caitlin Chukasian. That mm-hmm. was the impressive part for her. Three is Andrade. Four is Chukasian. Five is the woman getting a title shot, Alexa Grasso. Lauren Murphy, Vivian Arajo, Maya, Audrey, Andrea Lee, then Aaron Blanchfield. Blanchfield's right there, man. You got, you know, we, we, if, if uh, Valentina gets out of this thing, you got Santos, Fiorot, and if, if Blanchfield can win right there, or if she doesn't, yeah. you know, I'm not sure what Andrade has to do to earn another title shot, considering how one-sided it was. But. Yeah. I mean, I think if Blanchfield, if Blanchfield looks good, has an impressive win, and calls her out, you know, like she she's marketing herself to be like, hey, I'm calling out the champ I want next. Whether it's Valentina or uh, Alexa in front of zero you know, people I in think, the apex, it's gonna be great though. Was be really well, helping. I mean, look, it, 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 all you really need is the soundbite, right? Yep. So then it gives the, the the marketing guys enough to kind of build a thing off. You get some uh, clips mm. from Joe. Bada bing, bada boom, you're fine. You can you, know, you, you get can Joe Rogan yelling in the background. Together. Oh, one of those. Yeah, whether know. it's on her fight or someone else's, it doesn't matter. Um, but it's intriguing. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in watching this fight because and only been, this fight. And this this could be another Bobby, Damian, Maya. He's been putting a lot of gas. No, you know what? I, I have Mike with me on this one. I have Mike with me on this one. I'm not taking any blame. Well, he's one he saw the same shit I did. Okay, gas somebody okay. up, and it all comes to deflate. No, but, this is no. impressively bad after this fight. The only one, other one I'd be interested in watching, and I'm t- unfortunate it's not the co-main event because then I would watch it just because it'd be right before it. Jim Miller. Taking on Alexander mm-hmm. Hernandez. I saw that too. I was like, that could be fun. Because Jim Miller does not have boring fights. Jim Miller been in this fucking company for so long. Like, so long he's been in this company. Like, 35 fights long. And Alexander Hernandez, I mean, I know the signs, the shine's worn off a bit. Dude's losing a bunch of fights, but mm-hmm. he's not a slouch. It's a yeah, good veteran fight. Competitive fight. Yeah. I think though, if you're OSP and you're on the undercard of this car of this thing, I think that's not uh, reflecting what you're doing with your career, man. Because you main evented a UFC pay per view one time, and I know it was because of it was like late notice interim shit, mm-hmm. but like, my dude, like, <laughs> I mean, 
is not going great. Um, all right. Um, stuff we like. Sure. Um, I'm just gonna talk about the Super Bowl because I didn't get a chance to watch anything else. I was gonna watch, um, episode five of Last of Us. That might happen right after this podcast ends. But Super Bowl, I would just like to welcome the fans of the Philadelphia Eagles to the heartbreak involved in blowing a double-digit Super Bowl lead to Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter. It doesn't feel good. Um, When you start wondering what happened to your defense, that's supposed to be so good, and this motherfucker is just hanging points and running like a gazelle down the field. Good game, though. Really good game. Um, Made a bunch of money. Uh, Lost a bunch of money in the halftime show. Rihanna did not sing any of the songs she was supposed to sing. <laughs> did not wear any of the colors she was supposed to say wear. Let me tell you, Marcus, the one the bet that bothered me of the ones I missed. Fucking Kansas City Chiefs have been good for like five years now, bro. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of times where they've dumped Gatorade. It's been orange every fucking time. All right? Mm-hmm. Good flavor. So I'm like, I'm going in on the I'm like, I'm going in on the Chiefs. They are gonna win this game. So I'm gonna bet on the orange Gatorade. All right? I thought. Yeah, maybe I should also bet on red because, I mean, they wear red. I don't know. They mm-hmm. might wear red. I'm like, no, orange. Motherfuckers poured purple Gatorade on their coach. Mm. Who drinks purple Gatorade? What is purple Gatorade? What is that? It's making me thirsty, though. I can go for Gatorade right <laughs> Dude, now. Dude, I could go. Honestly, I had one. I, had one. I like Gatorade, man. I'm, I'm a fan. I do too. It's great. Yeah, I like Gatorade. <laughs> I'm an athlete. I just like the sweet, sweet taste. Yeah, it's just delicious, you know? Um, no, it was a good game, though, man. I know you watched. You're not a big football fan, but it was close. It was exciting. It was kind of cool. Yeah. As the one NFL game I watched this year, I thought it was pretty good. You'd like it to be a good game, quite frankly, and not a shitty game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't. I didn't think the holding call was super at the end of the game. But mm, right. I only also say that I, I also I don't I don't disagree that it was holding. I also found that to be a strange time, though, to call the only defensive holding call of the whole game. So mm-hmm. that, you know, with people who think this sport's rigged and shit, which I don't, but there you go. That was for that. Every Super Bowl has to have that one thing that, you know, because you know everyone's going to watch it. You come to work the next day, be like, oh, you yeah. see that play and they called that thing. I mean, that's just that's just part that's of the, the nature of the shit, man. The flair of it yeah. all, yeah. And uh, yeah, Eagles fans, uh, the Niners would have smoked you if we had a quarterback. Just know that. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, Marcus, what do you got this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, main thing this week, uh, I mentioned it last week. Um, Hogwarts Legacy came out, and I haven't been playing it. Christine's been playing a shit ton of it, um, and I've been thoroughly enjoying watching her play. It's it's a very intriguing, fun game that is, you know, I found to be quite enjoyable to watch someone else play you know it's an open world game i guess the premise is basically you are a fifth year student at hogwarts but it's your first year and that kind of ties into the story um which is kind of interesting and i think it takes place in like the early 1900s so you know it's like 100 years before you know harry and all his friends are there um but it's good like as, as someone that's not like a huge Harry Potter fan, I've watched the films multiple times. That's what I, I, read question. I had a question. Books. I was about to follow based on mm-hmm. that, what you just said, but go ahead. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I have a, a faint interest, but like when the 
they had this game has been rumored for a really long time. I guess it, it leaked like five years ago because some kid at a mall got asked to fill out a questionnaire about like, oh, would you like a Harry Potter game that was like, you know, next gen and open world and you get to run around Hogwarts and stuff. And so it's been rumored for a while when they finally showed it. It has looked very impressive. And I think if you are of the ilk that like that franchise has meant a lot to you and you've always wanted some kind of interactive experience where you can kind of play as a student. Um, I think this really fits the bill and does a really good job of that. Um, otherwise it is kind of, you know, it has a lot of the flair of a standard open world game, um, but all kind of marred in that, you know, Wait, is, it like an RPG? is it an RPG or are we talking like, it's more it's like a, a it's, more GTA it's an type open of game. world. It's an open world, like action RPG. Like there is some RPG element. I mean, in so much that you're like, you're constantly picking up, robes and outfits and hats that you know have stats on them that increase your defense or offense or what have you um but like the combat is action oriented and i've actually you know every now and then i'll i'll do a couple battles when you know christine's wants to take a break or gets frustrated or something and i've really enjoyed the combat i think it's it's it nuanced enough where like there's enough stuff going on was like you kind of have to stay on your toes and and realize okay i need to parry this and dodge that i need to use this ability for that guy because he has a certain shield up so i thought that has been very fun the exploration you know of of hogwarts itself is very cool like it is a very it's probably one of the best open world games in in that it allows you to open so many doors i think there's a lot of open world games especially when it has like a big city where you can't really enter a lot of things a lot of things are just like a dress setting right like there's doors you can't open you damn well pretty much open every door in this fucking game and the ones you can't have a lock on them that you'll eventually be able to unlock so i think that's really cool to have this huge castle that you can kind of go wherever you want in it and then even outside of hogwarts itself there's a huge landmass around hogwarts and um i guess what's it called hogsmeade is like the town yeah. um so you get, get yourself a butterbeer you get, I mean, God, Bobby, they can't fucking talk about the three broomsticks enough and having a, a butter beer in the beginning of the game. It's like every couple minutes, it's like, oh, I bet you can't wait to get a butter beer. And it was like, sure, but like, all right. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've, I've enjoyed the game as someone that's not a huge Harry Potter fan. Christine's over the moon. She fucking loves it. Um, and I think if you're of the same ilk, we're like, yeah, like you have a house that you see yourself as and you've always wanted to kind of like you know live in that life or you know what it would be like to be a student i think this game really fits the did bill. christine pick her house or did she do the sorting thing and they chose for her oh well, you you do the sorting hat and they ask you a few questions but like look i, I don't even know like a ton about the houses you kind of know what answer is going to lead you where so like yeah she picked the answer that was ravenclaw and then and then even at that point it's like oh well, they're going to put you in ravenclaw is that okay, or do you want to switch? Because okay. I fucking, I mean, I like how it's even in the movie. It's it's like, yeah, the Sorting Hat will tell you, but like, if you just tell it what you want, it'll just do that too. So it's like, yeah, my brother, on? my brother played the game. He, I mean, this, you know, my brother, yeah. he's a prick. My brother's mm -hmm. like, he's like, I'm playing it. He's like, I don't. He's like, I don't get what the hype is. He says, I think it's okay, six out of ten. And I'm just like, I wasn't sure if he was just being Nicky. It's my brother, mm -hmm. or if it actually because he was the Nicky's not a Potter person at all. So like that's what I'm wondering okay. like how much do you enjoy you enjoy it compared to how uh, like you're yeah, I mean, you know I mean, some I of think, it a little bit I guess yeah I th I think even yeah as someone that's not a huge fan I think it's enjoyable mm -hmm. and for me like, eh, maybe I'm gonna grade it and haven't played all of it yet like I think a solid eight there, there, there's technical issues there's pop in and stuff like that but I think if you're a Harry Potter fan 
like this stuff just scratches all those itches. Like, what is it like to to run around? I think one of the things early on that they're talking about is like, oh, you never get to see the common rooms for Ravenclaw and Slytherin and Hufflepuff in the movies. But here, you know, if you go to those houses, you get to see what their common rooms look like. And I will say this too. Hogwarts Castle is massive. They did a shit ton of work making unique assets for tapestries, statues. I mean, they definitely reuse some stuff from time to time, but there's so much unique things to look at in is so Matt, many like little. Flicks? I mean, is it trying to match the flicks, uh, I guess, I or mean, the books or whatever? I mean, it's because like some kids uh, saw it in a movie and they wanted to match that, or is it? I mean, I guess a lot of it kind of goes from the books a little bit more than the movies. Like, I know the movies, I guess, like, the they have, like, staircases, right, that kind of, like, go randomly. And it's not quite like that. Like, they kind of appear in the game. Like, like you need to, like, oh, I can go upstairs or downstairs here. And the, you don't see the stairs. Once you get close, they kind of appear. Um, but, yeah, I think visually it's just a really stunning game. You can just tell there's a lot of love and care um, put into this game. And you can also tell that, they're obviously very aware of the criticisms because J.K. Rowling is, you know, anti-trans, and I don't know—is she anti, like, gay and lesbian? She's just and a bad person, bro. That sums it up well. I know she's just a bad person, mm-hmm. but like, to what extent? I'm not totally sure, but like, there are couples that are. There's a couple that are lesbian. There's a shopkeep that's trans, and you can kind of tell, like, the people making the game are like, "Look, we're gonna try to make it." I mean, the nationalities of the characters for this school being in England are kind of wild. <laughs> there's like a bunch of Indian, black, I mean, any kind I mean, of in, different hey man, race. In fairness, that's what's going on in the UK in general. That's the... Okay. Mm. It, 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 what about what about like the early 1900s? Was it still that diverse? Or? I mean, I, they, they still were colonizing people. They had people coming over. I mean, that's, that, by that's the way, I have a comment about uh, people saying don't buy the game because it gives money to uh, her. Mm-hmm. If that's your stance, it's fine. But you know she literally gets a dollar gets money on every ticket that's sold at Universal Studios, right? Like she's getting mm. money on from so many different revenue streams. I just hope people who have decided to attack this game specifically keep the same energy. All of it. Yeah. I mean, consistent. I, I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's understandable if because I think a lot of people were hurt by her words because i think those books were kind of an escape for them as children that like they felt different and weird and not quote unquote normal right and then to have this person that you thought kind of understood you to kind of shit all over you and if they want to take a stance with their money i think that's well within their right absolutely and that's that's totally fine but I, what, what i guess i would also say is like you know there's a large studio that spent and you could tell by playing at least i could tell by playing it like they put a lot of heart and soul into making this something that Harry Potter fans would enjoy. So it's just, it's always tough. Anytime, you know, you have a creative that has ideas that you don't share. It's like, just be consistent, bro, though. That's what I'm saying. If you feel that way, be I mean, that way all the way across. like Lovecraft stuff, and that dude was a huge fucking racist, you know? And it's just like... It, it, it's, What's it's, the Ender's Game you prick? You draw a line. Isn't the Ender's mm-hmm. Game prick one of those guys? Doesn't he like that too? Wilson Scott, Probably, or the Scott yeah. card guy, or whatever? Bro. Yeah, it's just it's just tough. It, I mean, and I, I, I understand, like, if people struggle, like, I don't want to give this person that's, like... You know, I, I totally to get that. Spread hate, yeah. But I'm just saying, if you believe that, I just want to know where you like that about everything that comes out with this. Because I feel a lot of people... Are making bad faith arguments when it comes to. I feel people decide, okay, what is the thing this week I'm going to be outraged about? Sure. And then they move on to the next one. And I'm just like, as you said, a lot of people 
put a lot of effort into this game. And it's like, that game, that universe is bigger than her. It's not mm-hmm. just her. It's like the whole argument where they say, like, those movies, like, where George Lucas could do whatever the fuck he wanted in the Star Wars movies. And people are like, hey, man, it's not just yours anymore. It belongs to the, you right. put it, you gave it to the public, it became everybody's. So, mm-hmm. You can't change how something made you feel. These 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 pieces of you know like your wife connected with Harry Potter like those that whole series she connected with it. You know, fucking you you have different things. I, there's different things I connect with. The people are fucking end up being shady that created it. You know, <laughs> what are we talking what about? We, every what week? is this fucking sport? You know, Dude. we hate the fucking guy that runs it. We hate the the company that owns it. Um, and yet we do free publicity every week because we still just like, and that's the thing. It's like, it, it's hard to draw that line. Everyone yeah. has to do it for themselves. And just, I'm you just know, saying I, like, I have, people are going to, people are going to make this argument. It's fine. I'm just expecting those people that they're consistent where they're going to have these kind of arguments yeah. because yeah. let me tell you, man, it's hard out there. Look, fucking R. Kelly, pedophile, peed on people, all sorts of stuff. Motherfucker's the Pied Piper of R&B though. And you play the ignition, you play ignition. I still love the song Ignition. It is yeah. what it is. See, that, okay. <laughs> that stuff for me is very easy because I don't really listen to no, Kelly. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, like I, I, you got to separate. You do your best, man. It's like in 2023, yeah. more so than ever, man, you try to separate the art from the artist. And sure. look, I'm not telling you to pirate the game because I think you can't do a lot of stuff if you play a pirated version of the game. But if you want to not give, you know what? harder to do. Yeah. Don't, don't go to, you know what? You bought the game and you want to, don't feel bad about yourself if you bought the game though also. Just because you bought the game doesn't make you a transphobe or anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could just sure, absolutely. You just feel the way you do about these things, and the people yeah. you, you, you just can, say, you know what? I like this game. The person who wrote the books these games are based off. Big piece of shit. Shit. Yeah. Big piece of yep. shit. <laughs> uh, lastly, um, I did want to mention. I've been mentioning it the last couple of weeks because I've continued to watch it. and I've thoroughly been impressed. Um, uh, Legend of Vox Machina season two wrapped up. It's kind of bittersweet because I do like they're basically they're doing weekly releases, but they do three episodes a week. So it's like you're getting a big chunk each week, Um, but it makes the season. They only have 12 episode season. So it's basically a a four week thing. But again, like, man, what a great show. I've really enjoyed it. I'm so glad that uh, Prime sees the, uh, you know, sees revenue from it or just like sees the. I don't, know, I don't know what word I'm searching for, like, you know, potentially what it can be or how much it could reach. Because there's, you know, like, like we mentioned the week before, they're already picked up for a third season of Vox Machina. They'll finish out the campaign in that. Um, and then they're going to do a season of The Mighty Nine, which is their second campaign, which they've already completed. They're currently, you know, doing their third campaign. So it's kind of interesting just to see, like, you know, how far these shows potentially can go. Um, and they've been really good. I've been thoroughly enjoying uh, all of them. They, at this point, they fleshed out all the characters. All the characters have interesting backstories. They've had enough time to kind of tell everyone's main tale. And season three will kind of be wrapping up, you know, the big the big bads that they've been kind of facing. So, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, again, Prime's probably my least go-to streaming service of all the ones i have it's very few and far between i even hear of anything like potentially interesting but they definitely had some good shows and they've done a lot of good adult animation you know i thought invincible was also really good too so yeah that's what i got hey, i was selling and i was selling uh you were over at my house for the super bowl and our friends friend drew was over mm-hmm. and i was selling him on ye, how much i think he would really enjoy invincible so sure. i think yeah, i think, I think he would really dig it quite frankly 
A Sean Sell's fiance on that. I'm not sure she would dig it as much. Bill, yeah, animation's, no animation's a jump for a lot of people, man. Like, as an adult. Some mm -hmm. people don't want to watch animation. Yeah. As my mom would always say when I would watch, like, South Park, she's like, you still love cartoons. And I'm like, well, this dog, this cartoon's about a talking poo. So it's, things have changed, but yes. I, 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 I could also see as a parent just walking across South Park would be like, if you have, like, a bias with cartoons already, but it's like, this seems very crude. This oh. is like construction paper flopping around. Oh, you, you know, you know, my parents. They've my parents obviously a lot better, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things, maybe potentially in our generation, like we grew up watching cartoons, so we obviously had like a knack for it. Yeah. And as we've gotten older, they've made more adult themed cartoon shows, right? Whether they're comedy or action or what have you, they've kind of elevated themselves to be, it just to be a platform. Animation is simply just a platform to express stories right and mm -hmm. honestly it's kind of a cheap way like you could draw a really crazy scene that'll cost a lot less than doing a big cgi scene right so i think it's just kind of a cost of effective way to to tell stories and stuff like that and yeah i love it so yeah. right on all right we'll be back next week where we are going to see uh if i was right about aaron blanchfield yeah if the hype's real i guess you'd be just gonna draw you kind of say it has to be at that point that's a that's a tall task. Fairly strong case, yes. Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about and then next week we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, Jesus. This one's terrible too. Main event's great. Nikita Krylov, Ryan Span, great fight. After that, mm. holy crap, it gets bad, Mark. I like that I mean, fight, but woo. <laughs> even that fight, I'm like, it's, it's interesting, dude. Ryan, that's, Span, that's, that's I thought Ryan Span, uh, Ryan Span's coming off of. Uh, that win he just had over uh, fucking... Um, I don't remember his last fight, but... Reyes. He iced Reyes in 80 oh. seconds. Okay. I mean, yeah. I'll say this. This is a good fight for like a main card of a pay-per-view. <laughs> Being the main event, this is like... This is the thing we're building Let me tell you, buddy. These, yeah, you these... This... this the, the Ryan Spann and... Uh, I already forgot his name. Uh, Nikita Krylov. Mm -hmm. Aaron Blanchfield and Jessica Andrade seem like good pieces we could add to the main card of a card with like more OBO. stuff. <laughs> I might dish out 80 bucks for that, but yeah. no, no, no. So. 80 bucks. Fuck. They're asking 80 bucks three times in seven weeks, folks. Choose wisely. So um, within a month, they're asking for how much, Bobby? 300 $240. $240, yeah. And you have no friends. Jesus. Not actually, you know what? It's costing you $250. <laughs> actually, I don't know. How much does ESPN Plus cost now? Oh yeah, I don't know. It's like seven they bucks or some shit. Prices. You know what? You're, yeah, in, you're, like, you're in for like two sixty, basically, with tax. Oh you know, boy, <laughs> fuck this, man! Don't get fight pass. You're fine. Get on YouTube. We'll talk about that fight. We'll talk about this Bellator card, which they have a welterweight title on the line. We'll mention that that's happening. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, Mike is back. Tell us tales of England. Um, and I'll probably be hopefully talking about Sami Zayn's victory. At Elimination Chamber, but it won't happen. Till then, uh, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. See y'all next week. Yeah. So it's new phone time. Finally. Oh. I got it ready. It's been charging. I just backed up my other phone. We're getting into oh it, buddy. Boy. We're getting into it. While I'm the editing the podcast. Fly. If I have to call Verizon at nine at eight PM, I might just give up until tomorrow. I'll be honest. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Guys, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Peace out. <laughs>